Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sabbath to you all. How are you doing today? Wonderful. Let's go before Yahweh in prayer as we begin this message. Father, we're so thankful to be in your presence today. Yahweh, help us to be humble before you, to be thoughtful and mindful of what you want from us, Father, what you've asked. Yahweh, I pray that you would be on our hearts and minds today. Father, that you will lead us and guide us. We're thankful for this time. We're thankful for this place that you have brought us together to today. And Father, we just want to give you all the praise and honor and glory that is due your holy and awesome name. And may you be exalted forever. In the name of your son, Yeshua, we give you thanks. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, hey, it's good to see everybody today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, <clears throat> my name is Keith Wilson. And I'm married to my beautiful wife, Amanda, and we have four children, and we're blessed to be on staff here at the Assembly of Yahweh as the youth ministers, and we're just thankful to have this opportunity today to share the word with you. We'd just like to welcome all of our visitors today. If this is your first time being here, we just pray uh, Yahweh's blessing be on you, and thank you so much for joining us. <clears throat> today, I want to discuss with you uh, a topic uh, called... Uh, being a lifeguard, a lifeguard. And the question that I want to begin with and ask everybody to be uh, thinking about on their, their mind while we're sharing this word with you is, do you know how to save a life? Do you know how to save a life? <clears throat> what is life? And is it worth saving? Why do we defend life? What makes it valuable? This is the kind of thing that maybe you think in your mind, well, this goes without saying, you know, why is life valuable? Everybody knows life is valuable. But uh, <clears throat> I'm reminded of the ads and the propaganda that's uh, spread about saving certain types of animals. And uh, we were at the zoo one time, and we came to this um, display, and it was talking about this certain kind of fish. And it said that this fish is uh, being... Uh, close to endangered because everybody keeps fishing for this particular kind of fish. It wasn't tuna, but it was another kind like that. And I thought, well, that's, you know, weird. But uh, anyway, so I just took that as it were. And then I moved on. Uh, my, my, I wasn't just there by myself because I'm not creepy. But uh, my family and I, we, we moved on. <laughs> if you go to the zoo by yourself, you're creepy. Yes, I've said that. Um, <clears throat> anyway, we moved on and we came to the shark area. And the shark display had another... Thing, and it said that the shark's main source of food was this kind of fish that they had just mentioned a while ago about being close to endangered and humans are causing all sorts of problems. And it said if the sharks didn't eat this fish, this fish would overpopulate and would take over the ocean. So <clears throat> there are times, first of all, when we get lied to, and secondly, 
I do wonder what makes the dolphin more valuable than the tuna. Have you ever thought about that? What makes the dog more valuable than the cat? Or the cat more valuable than the dog? What gives life its real value? How is it that I look at you and you look at me and I say a life that has value, meaning, and purpose, and yet some look at life as though it is meaningless and it has no value and it is regarded as regular. I would submit to you today that the reason life is valuable is because Yahweh has given us this gift called life and he has put our value in place because of his son. Because his son Yeshua died for us, the value of our life has been displayed in front of all to see. These people are mine. Human life is valuable. And so what I want to talk about today is saving life or guarding life. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me there briefly. Now we have a short message today because at the end of the message, we're going to have a video for you, which is a very impactful video that um, Brother Walker put together for the um, life banquet that took place on Tuesday this, uh, this week where we uh, met for the Open Door fundraiser event. So that's going to happen. So we want to move quickly here, if you don't mind. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. We hear the wisdom coming to uh, us saying, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious wealth. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way of them. Keep your feet from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. So we have this very stern warning that we are not to be partakers of uh, these evil people who are interested in taking innocent life. You're not to go with them. You're not to hang out with them. If you see them going in one direction, you should go the other way. Because their goal is to steal and to profit from death. And in the end, they actually ambush themselves because their end will be a lake burning with fire. But they take away the life of the possessor. We are the defenders of life. Maybe you've never thought of yourself as such, but you are a lifeguard. You're the guardian of life. Yahweh has given each one of us this task to guard and protect life, even sometimes if it costs your own life. 
guardians of life, lifeguards. So if you believe that you love Yahweh with all your heart, you're a lifeguard. If you claim to follow Yeshua, his son, you're a lifeguard. Now, let's just think briefly about lifeguards, and we won't bring up any mental images from the sandlot, too late, but um, let's think about what lifeguards do. Lifeguards sit in their lofty chairs, don't they? How many of you ever sat in a lofty chair of the lifeguard? Anybody in here was ever a lifeguard before? No. Oh, Jackie, thank you. The only lifeguard around? I believe that. She's been called to save life from birth, so we're thankful for her. Lifeguards, they sit in their chairs. Now, this chair is not meant to uh, be a, a chair of pride. But why do lifeguards sit in tall chairs? So they can what? So they can see. So they can watch, right? Because your perspective as a lifeguard is important because you need to be able to see the whole picture. You need to see the whole pool. You need to see the best vantage of the beach and the ocean as you can so that at the first sign of trouble, you're ready to act. Being a lifeguard is about perspective. The proper perspective is key to being lifeguard. If you don't have the right mindset, if you don't have the right perspective, you can't save lives. I hope you're following me because I'm talking about the physical lifeguard, but I'm talking about a spiritual lifeguard too. If you don't have the right perspective, you can't save lives. What else do we know about lifeguards? They're trained. The most important thing about being a lifeguard, several important things. Number one, you can't be afraid of water. How many of you know that a lifeguard that's afraid of water is not going to be successful? Number two, you need to know how to swim. If you can't swim, you can't save. Lifeguards know how to swim. They know how to swim. They know what they're doing. They don't need to guess. When they hit the water, they're activated, ready to save life. Lifeguards have help. How many of you know that lifeguards wear that, that big red floaty? You know what I'm talking about? It says lifeguard on it, and they wear it everywhere they go. When they're walking around the pool, they've got their floaty on, and it looks goofy, right? We make fun of them for it. Oh, the captain lifeguard here. Look at him with his floaty, you know. But when it's you that needs to be saved, you're thankful for the floaty. Amen? What about lifeguards? What's interesting by the way, lifeguards aren't the only great people in the world. There's firefighters and policemen, too. They're also kind of cool. And then there's, you know, ambulance people and doctors and so on. Lawyers, not so much. But we know that uh, there are people other than lifeguards that save lives. But today we're just talking about them. Well, see, a lifeguard does is they see the trouble. They know the signs. They know the flailing of people. They know... When they've surveyed the area and they see all 50 heads are up, but now I only see 49. We're looking for somebody under the water. 
Lifeguards, when they come to sense that there's trouble, they dive in. They don't hesitate. They don't wait. They don't look around and ask if anybody else is willing to help. They just jump in. How many of you have seen somebody that was a lifeguard jump in only to find that the kid was fine and he was just hanging out on the bottom of the water for a little bit, just seeing how long he could hold his breath? But you're thankful, right? Because the lifeguard got wet and that's kind of fun, you know? Maybe you don't dislike him as much as I did, but when I was growing up, lifeguards were the enemy. I mean, they were the ones that told you you couldn't run. They were the ones that told you you couldn't wrestle and you couldn't play tag. I mean, they were the enemy. Without lifeguards, pooling would have been a lot more fun. But maybe you respected them more than I did. Anyway, we like to see lifeguards get wet. Get off of that lofty chair so high up there with all your rules and your regulations, your deep concern for my life. Let's move on. I think you should have a pretty good image about what a lifeguard is. What separates us from the rest of the world? May I present to you the idea that we protect life. We protect life. When Israel was going into the land of Canaan, and they were going to dispossess it, Yahweh told them not to follow the ways of those in the land of Canaan. Why? I'd like to believe it's because they were an idolatrous nation. And what you find in idolatry at its central point is the lack of concern for human life. Why? Why are they able to sacrifice their children in the fires of Molech? Why are they capable of offering their children at the altars of Baal? Because they have no regard for the value of life. The pivotal difference between you and the rest of the world is this one separating factor. You're a lifeguard. You protect life. Life versus death. Now I'm going to submit some things that may be difficult for you to hear, but I'd like for you to at least consider them before telling me I'm crazy. But I believe firmly that every single election that you vote in is a matter of life and death. And here's why. Because if you know that the person you're voting for supports death, then you're supporting the enemy. Because the only person that wants to bring death to this world is the devil. So when you go and you think about the people that you're choosing to vote for, to lead us, we want to choose people who stand for life. The battle isn't so much between Republicans and Democrats. It's between the godless and the godly. Those who value life and those who do not. And of course, some will tell you, oh, I value life. But they're lying to you. And you know they're lying to you based on what they do. Proverbs chapter 31, let's turn there briefly. We're already in Proverbs here, so let's just go to the end of the chapter now and read 
verse 8, which says, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. Defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. I had a conversation on Facebook with an old friend of mine not too long ago. And you probably have, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but most of you probably have been having some conversations lately with people on social media. Maybe you liked the news broadcast, so you decided to post that and share it. And then somebody didn't like the news broadcast that you posted, and they decided to comment about it. And that started an intriguing conversation I had an intriguing conversation. And as I was having this conversation, it struck me that I was wasting most of my time because when I asked the question, do you vote for people who support death? The answer was silence. I don't care what your political affiliation is. I don't care what your religious affiliation is. I don't care what you claim to be. If you support death, your religion is worthless and your credibility is zero. That is the truth. So for those of you having those tough conversations on Facebook, start here. Do you guard life? And do you vote for people who protect it? Because if you don't, we have nothing left to discuss. We are at an impasse. And unless I can convince you of the value of life, this conversation is worthless. Life is the central part. It's the central issue today. Now I want to move on here to encouraging you to be a lifeguard. And if you've never thought of yourself as a lifeguard, I want you to consider this today. It's always been about life and death. In the beginning, we hear the story of Adam and Eve and Yahweh telling Eve and Adam of this tree, you shall not eat because in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. A warning is given. And then the devil, the deceiver, comes and says to Eve, you surely will not die, but you will be like Elohim, knowing good and evil. And we know the end of that story where Eve did, in fact, partake and so did Adam. And death came into the world and is still with us today. In Genesis Chapter 4, we have the story of Cain and Abel. The man had relations with his wife, verse 1, Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of Yahweh. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was the keeper of flocks, but Cain was the tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to Yahweh of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part also, brought of the firstlings of the flock and of their fat portions. 
and Yahweh had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then Yahweh said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do well, sin, and if you do not do well, rather, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel, his brother, and it came about when they rose and were in the field that Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel. Then Yahweh said to Cain, where is Abel? your brother. This is the question that we have to ask ourselves when it comes to saving lives. Where is your brother? Where is he? Are you watching? Are you paying attention? Are you thinking about their life? Where is your brother? And Cain responds this way. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, scripture never says yes to that, but we are to assume absolutely we're responsible for the life of our brother and our sister. We're lifeguards. Where is your brother? There are leading issues of our day that are critical. One of them is abortion. The murder of unborn children in the womb. Another issue is human trafficking. The taking of a life into captivity for your own purposes an evil desire. And we have suicide, which is the second leading cause of death in teenagers today. The issues of our day have to do with death. And we are the lifeguards. I want to just share with you a few tips about how to be a good lifeguard when it comes to these issues. And perhaps maybe you already know and are already working in these areas, and I appreciate the fact that you are. But for those of you who aren't, I want to help let us see how we can benefit, how we can make a change. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is sharing with us about his ministry in bringing the good news or the gospel. And he's expressing how he is compelled to bring this good news to people. Let's read what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 16. For if I preach the good news... I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion, for woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. 
For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law as without the law, though not being without the law of Yahweh, but under the law of Messiah, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I might by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I might become a fellow partaker of it. I become all things to all men, that I might save some. Amen. We need to go where the people are hurting. And I'm not just talking about people outside. There are people inside that are hurting as well. Just because a person comes to church doesn't mean they're healthy. Just because a person comes to the assembly doesn't mean they've got everything figured out. There are people that can be hurting right in front of you. And as a lifeguard, we need to know the signs. We need to be thinking about our brothers and sisters, keeping them with us. Let's look at saving the unborn. How can you save the unborn? What can you do? You can help join the fight. You can volunteer at places that support women who are going through difficult times and are getting ready to make difficult life-changing decisions. And you can bless those people. You can volunteer there. You can pray outside of abortion clinics where the unborn are being slaughtered daily. You can have relationships with young people who might make mistakes and ultimately come to a question. We know that many times abortions are done by believers of Yahweh, people who claim to know his son, Yahshua. So it's not just those on the outside that need your saving It's those on the inside as well. Are you a person that people can trust? Do people trust you? When they go through difficult times, do they see you as a lifeguard ready to help and jump in wherever needed so we can help save the unborn? We can save the desperate Did you know that every 30 seconds worldwide, one person is taken for human trafficking and they're being used for work, sex, and organ harvesting? One person every 30 seconds worldwide. 
How can you help? Well, you can keep your eyes open. You can join the fight against human trafficking, which, by the way, is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And depending on how things go, hopefully on November 3rd, it will continue to stay a big issue because I don't want to say anything that's not necessarily true, but we have reason to believe that the reason we're not hearing about human trafficking in the mainstream media is probably to protect the guilty. Epstein Island wasn't filled with people like us. I've never been invited. Have you? Protecting those who are guilty. So we appreciate those who are bringing that cause to light. Suicide. Young people are affected by suicide today more than ever. The numbers of suicide have increased over the last 10 years drastically. And it's not just young people, but I want to focus on young people because those are the people that can be considered most vulnerable. Social media, the pressures of life, difficulty in living conditions all contribute to a young person feeling that they are unnecessary, unworthy, unloved, unappreciated. So let's just say that you see somebody who's down and out, somebody who's desperate. Don't be afraid to ask tough questions. And I'm not just talking about surfacey questions. If you think somebody is affected or somebody is in need, don't hesitate. Dive in and start asking difficult questions. How are you doing? And if that conversation goes somewhere, perhaps you should ask this question. Have you ever thought about hurting yourself? Have you ever thought about killing yourself? Some people think that if I ask that question, that, and, and, and they are thinking about that or have thought about that, it will further their desire to do so. But that's not what the data shows. The data shows that when you interject into somebody's life that's suicidal, their chances of following through are lower because they feel like somebody cares. So don't be afraid to ask the tough questions. And if they say, no, I would never think about that, don't be offended just because you asked. It's better to ask than not to ask. Within reason, don't run around here asking all my young people if they're thinking about killing themselves, okay? Let's, within reason, let's think about this. Let's not just haphazardly. But if you see somebody that week after week, day after day, looks down, is in desperate need, say something to them. Speak into their life. Dive in head first. Wrap them with that floaty and pull them out. Are you someone who's approachable? Can someone come talk to you about their deepest needs and trust that you're not going to share that with everybody else? Do you have the ability to receive somebody where they are without judging them, without condemning them, just like Yeshua did to countless people? He accepted them for where they were and for who they were, listened intently to their needs, corrected them with gentleness, 
and ministered to them. Do you have that ability? Can you save life? Finally, we want to save the lost. Save the unborn, save the desperate, and save the lost. Now, I don't think it's coincidence that the cross is used for the symbol of the lifeguard. In fact, I believe that it's very important to recognize that not only do people need help in physical ways, but they need help in spiritual ways. How can I save the lost? The first question I need to ask is, do I know how to share the good news? Do I know what the gospel message is? Do I know how to convincingly share that with somebody with conviction and passion and love and tenderness and and patience? Not whacking people over the head with you should do what Yahweh says. No, that's not the gospel message. That's not what Paul came to preach. He said, I came to preach Yeshua and him crucified. That's it. That this life is able to save every life. That Yahshua is the Savior and that he is the only way that your soul will not be condemned to fire. Do you know how to share the gospel? Do you know how to minister to people? Because if you're going to be a lifeguard, you have to be trained. You don't know how to share the gospel or you're too timid because you don't know what the gospel is. Don't wait. Start training immediately. Listen to how Yeshua explained it. The kingdom of heaven is like and so on. Listen to how Paul administered it. Listen to what Peter said to the crowd in Acts 2. Listen. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 and hear what Paul says about this good news message. He says in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of this good news. It is the power of Yahweh for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. Every single person can be saved by the power of this message of Yeshua. And this is, if no other thing you do, the most important part of being a lifeguard, a guardian of souls. I became all things to all men so that I might save some. When should you share this good news message? When somebody says to you, I feel empty. I feel lost. I feel hopeless. I feel like I don't have any purpose. Or maybe the time to share the good news is when somebody comes face to face with the sin that's been uh, mm, imprisoning them 
for some time and they finally realize at their lowest point that the way they're living is not successful and in fact they need to find a new way to live, then you can administer the good news. But I want to tell you this. You cannot give somebody medicine until they realize they're sick. Yeshua said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. Those who don't know they're in need of the doctor will never visit him. So we have to understand that people need to see why they need their soul saved. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Many of us aren't ashamed either, but when it comes time to share, we hold back. We're timid. I told you this just a few weeks ago, how I was timid in the restaurant in Chicago. We cannot be timid when it comes to sharing the power of the good news message. And this is the good news message, that you and I are all under sin and that we are bound to death, certain death and eternal death. And that the only way to escape from that reality, to escape from that future, is to accept that Yeshua has paid the price for your sin and for mine. He bought you with his blood. And if you accept him, believe in him, and follow him, he will raise you up in the last day. I want to close with the acronym CPR. What happens when a lifeguard brings somebody out of the water and they're not breathing? They administer CPR. And I want to say that this CPR that Yeshua offers, and I've fought to find a better terminology for it, so you'll have to forgive me. But I believe the, he, the Greek word Christ or the anointed will have to suffice. Christ, the anointed, paid the ransom. CPR paid the ransom. Your life and mine can be saved through Yeshua and his blood. And if we can bring that message to the world, we can save as many as we can. Because the enemy is out and about seeking whom he will devour. We are the last line of defense when it comes to life. You are the last line of defense when it comes to life. Be strengthened. Be encouraged. You have the power to save lives. We'd like to play the video now. May Yahweh bless you. It all started on a Thursday. I was on a ladder, and as I was going up the ladder, I fainted. I passed out. My boss, um, he called the ambulance, and they took me to the emergency room. And they said I was pregnant. was like, what? That can't be true. It can't be true. And they said, yes, you're pregnant. And I was like, no. Well, I, um, a week later that week came by 
And I seen y'all's bus. And there's where I met y'all. That day was my first sonogram. My mom was outside in the car waiting for me when I walked in to y'all's bus. And she was she didn't want to walk in. When I told her I was pregnant, she wasn't happy. There was no support from her. And um, she told me to go inside so we can see how far along I was and to see if there was anything else we could do about it. When I went in there, I remember we did a sonogram and I was nine weeks. I was nine weeks long and two days. I remember I just cried. I cried and I didn't know what to think. And uh, we were all amazed, I think, because you could see her so perfectly. Y'all were just like, look, look. And the more I heard y'all talk about it, like, in my head I was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? It's true. It's, um, this is real. And I kept on hearing, look, she's so beautiful. Or, look at the baby. You can see it perfectly. She's sucking, or it's sucking its thumb. And, and I was just hearing you on the background, but really wasn't focused on, on what y'all were saying. I was just, didn't know what to think at the time. And um, y'all talked to me, and I know y'all handed me a box of Kleenex <laughs> and told me it was going to be okay. It was going to be okay that y'all were there to help me. And um, on anything that I needed, that y'all's program um, helped with pampers. There was classes to take um, to earn points and just not to, just to think about things. And... Um, I think y'all gave me a hug. I think y'all did. Gave me a hug. And um, tell me it was just going to be okay. And when I, I remember thinking about it, like, if they're so sure it's going to be okay, then why am I not for sure it's going to be okay? What's, why can't I think the way they're thinking? What's wrong? Why am I so scared? And y'all gave me all these pamphlets in a yellow folder. And it was um, different choices that I had. Um, Adoption was one. Being a mom was the other one. And aborting was the other one. And I cried. And um, y'all told me everything was going to be okay just to look at the pamphlets. And if I had anything or had any questions to call y'all or if I needed somebody to talk to, you know, y'all were there. And I said, okay, and... I remember we called my mom to see if she wanted to see the sonogram. As we were going, she said no. She was telling me to hurry up, that we had to go. I said, okay. And I, it was embarrassing. I didn't know how to tell you. My mom said, hurry up, so can we hurry up? When I walked out, I told her how far along I was. And she said, well, you're, you're not far. We still have a chance of aborting. And I told her, okay. And that's what I was going to do. I was going to abort. Her dad, um, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, he walked out. He left us. Um, She wasn't something that, oh, we, that I had in mind and that I had a baby room ready for her. No. Me and her dad had already separated. And um, he wasn't happy about it either. And so 
raising another kid, you know, after raising three on your own, it's, it's hard. And my mom told me that the best thing we'll do was to save up the money and to abort, to keep on working. And I said, okay. We called the abortion centers in Fort Worth. There were $800, $700. And um, I got close to saving 700 and something dollars. But during the time that I was pregnant, I would get calls and texts from Miss Brittany and all the time. Are you okay? How are things going? Um, mostly calls. And then I wouldn't answer a call because I'd be at work in the day. And so she would text me and I would text her back. How are you doing? Um, do you mind if I send you a video of um, such and such stage? And I would be like, yes, that's fine. I'll, I'll watch it. Um, you can earn points to earn this. or And it was just always positive things. Always, um, how are you doing? How are you feeling the baby move? And it was just always very, the only thing that I didn't have negative, you know? I made a doctor's appointment without my mom knowing. By then, I think I was like 12 weeks. And I was just like, no, you know? I went back home and I told my mom, I'm not aborting. I wasn't gonna abort. I heard her heartbeat again. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I'm not gonna abort. She said, what do you plan on doing then? I said, well, I'm gonna have another baby. She said, you know how hard it's gonna be with another child? And I said, yeah. I said, but I'll get another job. I said, I'll figure it out. I said, I'll figure it out. There's, there's other ways. I said, I'm not gonna abort and I'm not giving her up for adoption. It's not something that I ever wanted to do or, or had in mind. It's just the only person that you have that helps you is telling you that she can't help you because of her age. And because it's hard on her already, um, what other choice do you have? But I knew that if I did it with three, I could do it with one more. The money that I had saved up for the abortion, I used to buy her her clothes. I bought Pampers. Um, I bought her fresh bottles. I just started from there. Just it was hard. It was it was very hard. And y'all text me videos, videos, and help me realize that it's not just a seed. It's not just um, an egg. It's not just. It's a baby. I mean, when I went in, she was already formed. She was already formed and she was sucking her thumb. So, and her heartbeat was playing. Like, I mean, you could hear it clearly. And y'all turned up the volume even more. <laughs> I remember we turned up the volume more. And she was just moving and I just couldn't. You can't. I wanted to have her. I wanted her from the beginning. But I was just, I guess, confused and didn't know at the time that it was going to be okay. And y'all's positive words and y'all's positive calls and the voicemails. Um, hey, this is Brittany. That's out here. <laughs> hey, this is Brittany. Always a cheery. It gives you um, that sense of relief, that, that, that calmness, that it's going to be okay. That helps a lot. It helps. 
a lot. And finally, at 36 weeks, she was born. At 549, 10 pounds, 2 ounces. And I don't regret it. There's nothing I regret. Nothing at all. <laughs> um, a couple of days later, I got a phone call. And um, asked me how I was doing. How, how is she? And just asked me all sorts of questions. And I gave you all the answers and told you all she's born. She weighed this much. And just amazed on how much she weighed. And then next week, y'all were going to be in town. And if I could stop by. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I walked in. And um, you opened y'all's doors. One more time to us. <laughs> One more time to us. And um, nothing but joy, like always. Um, happiness, love, understanding. They had a big old gift from Impact. It was overloaded. I mean, it was stuff that swaddler, towels. I mean, it was just so much blessings. I mean, it was coming out. I, and it was just helpful things, a lot of wonderful things that we received from them. Y'all don't know how much help y'all have given us. How much y'all have changed my life. <laughs> We're nothing but good and just, if it wasn't for y'all, she wouldn't be here. Anybody else who, who is going through what I went through and, and is still having trouble, I encourage them to just go to y'all, to the open doors and, and y'all be there for them. I mean, through all of it. I mean, it ain't just, a lot of people who are getting paid and, and just doing it just just to do it because of their paycheck. No, it's because y'all care, because y'all love and y'all show it. Y'all y'all are there for them. I mean, y'all are there for us. Y'all have helped us so much. And anybody who is going through the same thing as I went through, I really encourage them just to stop by and take the chance. Just just go in and and meet y'all. That's all it takes, is just to walk in. And it'll be okay. With y'all's help, it'll be okay. <laughs>